nerd. 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 I'm not kissing a nerd. What is a nerd? Nerd! Holy crap, are we nerdy? Welcome, Nerdables, to episode 123. This week we're going to do our Deadpool review. And later in the show, Chris is going to take over to run us through DC's big rebirth. Joining me this week are Chris, Mikey, Ethan, and Sebastian will be showing up uh, when the LA traffic lets him through. So, Deadpool. I guess we'll start off right out saying spoilers. Let's start off with the fact that like, this, is a, this is a great number for the show. It's one, two, three. It's always awesome. It's all numerical sequence. What? Oh, one, two, three. It won't happen yes. until we get two, three, and we get to two hundred and thirty-four. Well, that, that's correct. I know wow. it's correct. It's math. It's crazy. Which it's awesome. you know, we've been doing really good because we're doing a weekly show. Last week we obviously took off because it was Valentine's Day, and we didn't take off because it was Valentine's Day. We took off because well, you weren't here, and none of us know how to work <laughs> any of this fucking equipment, and none of us can put it on the. I was talking to Sebastian about it, and he's like, "Well, if we could have recorded on my iPhone, just you and me, we could have put it up. Because if we don't have any of the passwords or stuff to put stuff up." That's so nice. that's something we need to fix in the next couple of weeks and okay. teach Sebastian how to put it up. And that way, if for some reason, none of us is here, at least we can do a short enough show to get up every week. That's true. Because we, yeah. we wouldn't want that one fan that listens to our show <laughs> miss <laughs> a week. Wait, well, why Because Eric did say, like, a Monday morning, he's like, you guys are really slow putting this up. Like, oh, we didn't do one this week. And he just said, like, slackers. Oh, wow. <laughs> at least Eric's listening to it. I'm, I'm pretty impressed <laughs> with that. Eric's listening to it. Is that because of you? Or is that's it because no, he's listening to it because he wants to hear the two of us yell at each other. <laughs> that's the one fan we have. Well, we have well, we have one in Ohio, and I think there's I think there's one in like Turkey or something. Yeah, and Bangladesh, and it's weird the places Bessestan, that we have people. I just Pablo. wish I th- I still think people are trying to learn English through our show. Like, <laughs> wow. oh no, no one else. I feel bad for them. No, no one listens. No one else English. listens to show. I listen to show. I learn things like fuck you, racist. <laughs> Steven fucking Spielberg. <laughs> this is his name, yes? He's a good director? Well, then I'm going to put this out there. I wish people would at least acknowledge and, and you know, give us some kind of comment. We did have one on, on, doing, on the last episode. We've been doing it. Did we? Yeah. Was it was it on. It was, no, it was on SoundCloud. It was actually, and they put... Was uh, it someone we didn't know? Yeah. That's a Jeez. first. I know. I was, I was really surprised. Yeah, usually it's, it's your mom, who also happens to be Ethan's girlfriend. But. <laughs> <laughs> don't hit your head with the oh microphone. Goodness. We don't need to lose another one. It's okay. It could be worse, bro. Oh, goodness. Didn't you guys go to Disneyland together or something like that? Yeah. They drove down together. Sweet. It's just because Rich didn't want to be in the car with his mom. <laughs> Did you spend a night in the same room that No, night? we didn't. <laughs> Man, you um, made her sleep in a separate room, even though you two are... Look at this. We're like Deadpool. We're breaking the fourth wall. But then again, we, you know, we can break the fourth wall of the fourth wall. It's a podcast. It's always breaking Thinking the fourth wall. We're always addressing the audience that's there. I guess so, yeah. I was do trying. you know how the podcast works? I do know oh, how okay. podcasts work. After 120, you know how the, I hope the hell I know. <laughs> well, you don't know how the equipment works after 123 <laughs> episodes, so. I was trying to make it better because I always have this hiss in my ear that, you know, I mm-hmm. never can. Well, I just remember when you first made this box. Yeah. Just, listening to you. When you first made the box, it was like, I'll never have to adjust anything again. And it actually takes us longer <laughs> to set up than it did before you had the fucking box. Let's just put it this way. Don't fix anything else. It's working. It's fine. Don't try to do anything different. Well, that was the point. Was the box supposed to come out? We're going to plug everything in. Stalling for time so that Sebastian can give us his Deadpool review. He, the box is supposed to come out. We're supposed to plug the mics in, and we're done, and we go. Every week, it takes two and a half hours to get the mics working. So anyways. Um, so anyways. Chris, what did you think of Deadpool? I thought it was Deadpool-tastic. Deadpool-tastic. That's Chris's official review. That's the official review. I thought you were going to talk about numbers. I am. I'm going to talk about numbers, but I wanted to see what everybody thought of it first. 
Did it live up to everything you expected for it, maybe? I didn't expect much of it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I wasn't that person that was like super, super excited for it. I, I was hoping it would be good, and it would be fun, and that's what it was. It was fun, it was good, it was funny. I thought they did a good job of, of having the humor not be super slapstick. Yes. The physical humor was based off of his, his condition. Yes. Um, and then, you know, Colossus getting knocked around or whatever. I was also glad um, that they had him be that way before he was actually dead. Yeah, yeah. I was worried like that it wasn't that was... a change in his psyche. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the way the character was originally kind of once that backstory came. I have came one through. critique about the movie though: really. the fact that they keep talking about Rob Liefeld, even though nothing in that film is actually Rob's work. It's well, all that, Joe okay. Casey's work. Yeah, and then Liefeld was in it. Yeah, it, that's that's the, you want to get to the rant part of it. We'll go through that, but it was no, it was it was really it was a lot of fun. Um, the choreography in it was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, it was really, really well done. Um, I, I thought the the we'll talk about budgets and stuff later. I thought the the limitations actually helped mm-hmm. them, and the humor was just enough. As I said beforehand, I was afraid that it was going to be two and a half hours of, you know, or two hours of him, you know, talking to the audience, talking to the audience, talking to the audience, right. and stuff like that. And it wasn't. There's a, there's a moment or two, just like in the comic, every few issues uh-huh. he'll do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just enough. I thought they showed a lot of restraint yes. for what you can do with that character and didn't make it so incredibly over the top. And the other characters around him were done really well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Colossus fan, so I don't like this incarnation as Col- of Colossus as Colossus. But in terms of a character, it was fine. Did, for me personally, uh, uh, as a huge Colossus fan, I'm like... Great, the big dumb. You it know. works for this movie. Yeah, it works mm-hmm. for the movie. Right. So that part was fine. Well, that, see, that's what I was kind of wondering: is it, if it's Deadpool making Colossus look dumb instead of you know instead of making you know because it's it, just the it, way it that they decided to use to use Colossus. Yeah, and that that kind of. Did you like the way the thing. CG was for him? I thought it was fine. I mean, it was at times he looked like clay. I thought the best bit, decision but... that they made was to make it. To make the metal a, like a matte finish yes. instead of yeah. shiny, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's where it gets really tough. They wouldn't have had the budget to do it because if you make it shiny, you have to put the reflections in it and everything to make it look realistic. So that's what Colossus is anyway, a matte. So. Well, he's supposed to be shiny. Well, supposed yeah, to, yeah. But even in the old comics, he's it's been just... in. Yeah, for for whatever different terms, he's been he's been shiny. He's mm-hmm. been matte. Whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he's been reflective and kind of a chrome. He's been a dull matte. He looked the his. Uniform looked more out of the Ultimate X Men line. Yes, at the yeah, time. But no, it was it was fine, and I thought that they did a good job with Mega Teenage Sonic Warhead, whatever, in, in her lines, and the fact that it they didn't overdo the, you know, she's unaffected and teen angst and whatever. Oh, I it was lo- just I loved enough. He, he set her up, but that's her. what I mean. It's it was it was nice and it was there, but it it wasn't overpowering. You didn't yeah. have to wait till the entire film before she cracked a smile. Right. It was just something like she laughs at him. She's okay. She says, "You know, you're cool, or whatever." Towards the end, so no, I thought it was. I thought it was. It was a really good movie because it didn't go too far. Mm-hmm. It went just far uh-huh. enough. Well, see, and I, my biggest fear was the marketing for it has been so good. They've done such a great job with putting it out there and staying true to the character. And whether it's Ryan Reynolds in the costume or not during it, you can't tell a difference between that that Deadpool and the one that was in the movie. And it carries over nicely to oh, it. I think I think I can't, I can't even imagine he was in a costume actually even that that, that long because that is definitely a 
a performer because once you're in that costume that has no right it has no facial expression whatsoever it's all in the movement so everything has to be exaggerated yes the way he moves his head when he talks and flops his heads back and forth and he's got to express the emotion through the way that he's moving his head the way he's flopping his hands or whatever i i It'd be interesting to know how often Ryan Reynolds was actually in the suit Probably and how often it's a character performer. The non-action parts. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah maybe there was a lot of motion. Or something been, yeah. for, right. Yeah. But again, I mean, he's not... It also depends on what kind of training he's had. If he hasn't been trained as, like, basically a performer, a circus performer, a mime, or those type of things, but those also, are the type of movements that you're seeing in that character. This was, he this was, was in Blade 3, so he got trained somewhat. <laughs> well, no, this was a movie that he's been wanting to make for 10 years, so, I mean, like, if you think about it, someone who's so passionate about it, I think he would have spent the time to actually, you know, get all that down. Yes, and why has he, wanted to, why has he been wanting to do this for 10 years? Because he because wanted yeah. to redeem himself for the yeah. original. Well, it's funny, even, even after well, that. Well, he's redeeming himself. I think he wanted to redeem that. I was telling redeeming that character. I think I was telling Mikey and, and Chris. I don't know if I don't know if it was Chris. I think it was just Mikey that he said, you know, I waited ten fil- ten years to make this film. As soon as they finished wrapping on the movie, he just walked off set with the suit. On. Yeah, yeah. And the costume designer's like, "Hey, uh, did you want to change?" And he's like, "Nope, I'm good." And just kept walking. Did you also see to point out that Ryan Reynolds has been in three separate comic book franchises? Yeah. He was in Blade. Yes. Which everyone forgets. Blade Green Lantern mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Deadpool. So it's like, well, Ryan Reynolds is just all over for the comic and map. Well, and the, the funny thing is, people would say uh, Blade 3 was horrible. Green Lantern was a dismal. And, and was, was what? <laughs> I heard a dismal. What is a dismal? <laughs> I said a, a dismal, I think. What is a Whatever. Dismal? And thirdly, abysmal. Abysmal is what I was trying to say. The funny thing is, though, that Rich owns it. Greenland. What abysmal? Yes, I do. He also not only does he own it, but he used to watch it on HBO all the time. A couple of times. All the time. I like Ryan Reynolds. Good for you. I've like I've liked Ryan Reynolds since he was in Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. There's plenty of other movies that Ryan Reynolds is in that are a lot better than. Yeah, no. Well, of course, if you you ask Deadpool, Deadpool will tell you every movie that Ryan Reynolds has ever been in has been horrible. (laughs) Well, it was something they were talking about that on one of the morning drive shows around here, Hmm. and they're like, "Well, Ryan Reynolds is a big star," and he's like, "Why would you think that Ryan Reynolds is a big star? He's been in a lot of movies, but they're all so so." Yeah, there's a lot of romantic comedy type stuff. Like I couldn't when I thought about it. I'm like Ryan Reynolds has never been in anything that's been really big that didn't flop. Proposal Van, Van Wilder is probably the biggest one that everybody knows him mm-hmm. from. Or the proposal. The proposal is yeah. probably the biggest thing. There's the one he did because of, and that was because too. of uh, Betty White's character performance in that. Well, no, I think yeah, it more Sandra had to do with Bullock. the fact Sandra Bullock was. Well, in she it. was also yes, yeah. but you're not in a movie with America's Sweetheart and not have her be hey, the star. Hey, he was voted 2010 sexiest man alive. Yeah, he was that year too. I think. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a star. I'm not saying it's like everybody oh, he's a knows him, but he's not like he's Tom not a Cruise. huge. Yeah, he hasn't been in something that you would look at and go, "Oh my god, that's like a huge picture." Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, until now. <laughs> yeah, until now. <laughs> Did you like the fact that they? It was one of the first few times where you have a masked superhero or, or villain that stayed pretty much in the the mask the whole time. When it when it was called for, I mean, they when it, they didn't. They well, didn't that's part of the reason why it's it part of the reason why I don't think it's him. Yeah, that's, that, think of it. You can shoot that film in three weeks. Oh yeah, really? I mean, if you have you, you have three, you have three units, and you could shoot that entire film in three weeks, and then everything else but is just CG. To be honest with you, you know, I think uh, 
there could be a majority of the time that it was CG just because the way the mask moves while he talks. It could be effects to it. Well, they, yeah, they, the I mean, eyes and They all obviously stuff. added the, yeah. the, those effects later on. Yeah, and that was one thing I was going to say. Was it stayed, he also, it just so you know, he didn't book. cut off his arm. That was the CG. Oh, no? Yeah, he didn't oh. cut off his hand there. Man, the I was, baby I was, hand. I was about to say, you know, how did he do that? Spoilers. Um, yeah, the comedy, it was just, it was a fun film. Yeah, I mean, and I was surprised at how many kids mm-hmm. were in the theater. Well, I wasn't. I mean, it was crazy when we went and saw it on Friday. I'm night. surprised there wasn't the back. We predicted at work that Monday, Tuesday, you'd start seeing this this backlash as parents started speaking out about. I took my son to see a superhero movie, and so it was completely I, yeah. uncalled for. There was actually, I remember seeing on my feed is like. Oh, I took my son. My there was there's a little bit, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about. Well, like, there was a Deadpool one where they said, where it was making fun of that, saying, "Well, why the fuck did you take your kid? We told yeah. you this wasn't going to well, be." Well, no, and yeah. he's like, and well, no, I it was it was a thing where someone said, like, if there was only something to tell parents that this movie is inappropriate for children, mm-hmm. and it was like the Deadpool tweet after it was, yeah. you mean like the R rating? Yeah. <laughs> like ratings still, it's, it's a funny thing when people look at it now. It's like ratings don't seem to mean anything to people anymore. Mm-hmm. They look at the type of film that it is, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter what, you know, if it's an action film, it's PG-13 now, right? They're all PG-13, right? 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 No, some of them are R, and they're R for a reason. You know, oh, well, Spotlight is R because just because of the subject matter. It has nothing to do with the objectionable content. It's just the fact that it's about priests touching little boys. Well, this content could be... (laughs) Exactly. That's what I mean. A content for most moviegoers seems to be if it's a superhero film or a a comic book film... Mm -hmm. As content, it's automatically PG-13. But you also forget that there have been R-rated comic book movies. There has, but there hasn't been one in a long time. No. Or at least not long enough. I think Blade was the last one, wasn't it? Blade was one of the first ones. Punisher, uh... Punisher Warzone Warzone was, was I think, the last one. Okay. Sebastian has arrived. But if you think about it, (laughs) you know, you're talking about numbers and stuff like that. It's already the sixth highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Yeah. No, the numbers numbers shocked me, because I actually thought it would be... Which is that's what it's two hundred and thirty five million now. Yeah, in two weeks. I knew it would be it would be good enough. Grab a chair from the dining room, bro. I knew it would be like number one or whatever. I when they started saying one hundred and thirty million dollars in four days, I was like, holy crap! Yeah, highest four ninety international. Yeah, yeah, highest grossing movie in in uh, in February now. It's highest grossing February film. It was the highest grossing. President's Day weekend. Because that's the thing. They were giving the numbers. Like, it's $130 million over the weekend, but it did have an extra day because of Monday. They, that number got ended up getting, like, wrapped into it. Highest grossing film in Russia, uh, beating out Star Wars. It beat out Star Wars for the, yeah, for the <laughs> opening it. weekend. Yeah. Russians do not like Star Wars. It's well, because they all come for Colossus. They yeah. Colossus. <laughs> for Colossus. Colossus yeah. is in the movie. <laughs> this is fantastic. You're a Russian superhero. Now, you must do good things. See, Russians are right. They tell you all the good things. Look at this American pig. It tells you about cutting off his hand, and he is very not good, yet uh, Colossus Russian. He's good. Second highest gro- This weekend was the second highest grossing uh, radar film. What did it do film? this weekend? 55 million. What will it do this weekend? 55. 55 and uh, the highest grossing one is uh, American Sniper no. with uh, 64. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying no for that. I, just, I, I really that's it. I thought it would be number one. I thought it would be big, but I didn't think it would be that big. It's just it's crazy what it's done. I mean, uh, and also it it helps. The movie's only barely over ninety minutes. It's only yeah. hundred minutes, like hundred five, something like that. It's a one hour forty eight minutes. Yeah. So it's, it's that's what's crazy about it too. Um, and it's a good love story. What'd you got? I mean, love it is. It, it is. It's a perfect Valentine's Day movie. 
Um, well, I don't know about perfect. That's perfect. Like I don't know. Porn is a perfect film. Well, <laughs> well, that was the interesting fact. Is like if you think about what the movie was, it wasn't really an action movie. It was more of a, a romantic comedy with action in it. Like it was a whole bi- a whole lot. Well, of I think stuff it, it hits. It. it checks off a lot of boxes. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it. Checks off a lot of boxes in a lot of different ways. It's a comedy. It's an action film. Me and my boss, when I saw it with my boss, and he was like. Yeah, it's really just like a romantic comedy for guys, basically. Yeah. Well, it beat out. The funny thing is, last year for Valentine's Day, it was Fifty Shades of Grey, and it demolished Fifty Shades of Grey's numbers. Well, it's going. Fifty Shades yeah, of Grey had a huge weekend, and then it didn't do anything after that. Yeah, the girls <laughs> and guys for this movie yeah. compared to just really the girls. Well, no, oh, was, there were, there were guys in the Fifty word, Shades of Grey. Yeah, it was the word of the girls there because it was the word of mouth of Fifty Shades of Grey that really killed that movie because everybody's like the writing is terrible in this well, movie. Well, they were like it's so much not like the book and da 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 She's not naked nearly enough. But I mean, the numbers for just I'm happy. I'm happy that Deadpool is what it is. I think you know it's. The shot in the arm that comic book movies needed. Maybe mm. this is where the danger comes the, in. This, this, is, this, is this is what is we exactly really wanted to I, talk about, right? Is with a fallout from it, and fallout in places that we wouldn't think would be fallout. One of the big fallouts right now is Boy. the cosplaying community going. Look, uh-huh. we know there's going to be somehow, some way, even more Deadpool's at every convention. You cannot act like assholes just because you're in a Deadpool costume. Right. And that's one of the things that they're really afraid of, is that this gives people... A lot of Deadpool cosplayers would accuse of taking a license to be beyond funny to being inappropriate. Well, we've seen... There's bit, one Deadpool. A bunch of people dressed up as Superman, too. They didn't go around breaking people's necks yeah. and smashing <laughs> tables and kicking over Although displays. that would be cool. Well, there has been we didn't walk up Deadpool. to a Superman cosplayer and shoot him in the chest and see if it bounced <laughs> off. That would be awesome. That's an old. Um, I can't remember who, what comedian that was. It was an old joke. It's like every time I see a guy in a Superman shirt, I just want to walk up to him and shoot him in the chest and be like, "Nope, not you!" And then just walk away. There's one dead that dead just cosplayer at him and he'll dodge it. Yeah, that's always at, that we always see outside of like Comic Con and WonderCon and everything. That's all, usually with the sign people, and he always comes up with these creative signs and everything. Who fits right into that humor and does a good job with it, and he's not. There's a couple of them that do that, it, and they do it in a way where especially the guys that are you know, on YouTube or whatever, they set it up. They basically right. tell you, I'm going to come over to you, I'm going to look down at your cleavage, and then you're going to hit me in the head, and then I'm going to fall over. Right. And if that person is game for it, that's cool. But when they're just filming it, they come over and they're like, oh, I touched your boobies, and then he runs away, that's what they're afraid of. So that's the first fallout from it. Mm-hmm. The second one is that everything's going to be rated R now. Yes. Oh, let's make it all rated R. Wolverine 3, they're going for a rated R. There's already a lot of discussion in the movie community about how that's now the conversation for superhero films. And that was the big thing I was going to bring up, was James Gunn, uh, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, director of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which just started production this week, came out out and, and made probably the best comment about what the fallout of this movie could be. And not to mention the fact that, you know, he, you know, he he had mentioned about you know Guardians. You know, he's kind of biased. Guardians of the Galaxy was a way to, to kind of mm-hmm. push the boundaries, but this movie really, really pushed the boundaries of what you can do. And he's already heard executives. But honestly, it doesn't. It, it, it didn't. No, it, it it didn't. All it did was, all it did was use its R rating to bring the story closer to its comic book counterpart. Yeah. Than most other superheroes would ever need to. A movie like Blade works 
because the content is rated R content, or at least mm-hmm. it's ripe for rated R yes. content. Yes, and that's the other thing. Deadpool is not a rated R book. There's a Deadpool Max book yeah. that goes and it, and it way be. farther than it. Yes. Yeah, it's basically they just took they took the story that Joe Casey had set up, right. which, by the way, for as much as they, Rob Liefeld, Rob, everything in that film is from Joe Casey's run. Mm-hmm. The bar, the bartender, Blind Al, Vanessa, his reasons for going through the, all Joe Casey's run. All of it hmm. has nothing to do with what Rob created right. and but Fabian he, created. But he'll he, because be... he was the yes, because Fabian was like, "Hey, I want to do this," and Rob's like, "Hey, I drew something. Here you go. Where's his feet? Who cares, bro? <laughs> Turn my hat backwards. Put on some Jordash. Slam a do." And we also saw the reverse, though, of what happens when you take a property that should be rated R and water it down with the first Punisher film. Yes, which was a movie that. I, was I, the first Punisher film? With, it was John Travolta War, was not rated R? Warzone was rated R. I know Warzone, Warzone was. Uh, no. No. Are you yeah, about, you're are right. Are you talking about the Dolph Lundgren one? No, I'm no, talking, no, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> That's Jay not a Punisher film. But again, it's that was a movie hamstrung by not using the source material to its fullest potential by avoiding that rated R narrowly. Yes. I mean, there's a lot. Then again, rated R doesn't mean you're going to get violent. No, violence does not mean you get a rated R. Usually it's nudity and cursing that pushes you. Yeah, it's nudity, head. cursing, and, and, and again, it's how, how serious to take that subject. With John Travolta practice. being, you know what the shameful thing is? If you look up Punisher on IMDb, the character that they show you at the top is John Travolta's terrible. Yeah, it's not, it's not Thomas. <laughs> it also hamstrung that movie when they're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's set it in Florida for some reason. Right. Yeah, that, that uh, was... Where's all the information? It's a little off topic. The Punisher is listed as rated R on IMDb. Okay. Well, I thought, but, I thought yeah. it was, just for the... Uh, the beach scene where they kill his whole family. I, that might be it. Because I do remember, I think you were with me when we went to see the Warzone panel at Comic-Con. It was like late at night. And I want to say that, that, that Galen Hurd was there. I think she's the producer of the second one. Hmm. And she mentioned the fact like this is going to be shockingly more violent than the first movie. Hmm. That, I remember. Then I, because then they I will basically adjust my comment then in that they did not use their R rating to the fullest extent. No. And, I, and I think they, they wasted it, all it for one scene. Yeah, I think they wasted it on what is a terrible, horrible scene. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about terrible? You want to talk about completely taking a character and going? We don't know what makes this work. His family dies. Okay, so if if his wife and his two kids. Are enough to send him on this. What happens if we kill everyone who has ever known in his entire <laughs> life in an absolute orgy of death and violence that takes you completely out of the film because there's no personal connection yeah, death and to violence him at that all? You never and actually that's the other see. thing. Yeah, if that's, the other if thing that's what it gave R. it the R rating, that is the most weak sauce cutaway of a family getting shot. I mean, but even his own killing family, the kids, showing the kids getting killed was right there. It. No, because they cut away when Yo, they... I thought you see them dead, though. You see them dead, but you never actually see them get run over by the truck on the boardwalk. They cut away from that. Yeah. Right. And again, if that's what gave them the rated R, then I am surprised that... Somebody, no, because when that, you that, mentioned it, I, I, I believe I was like, wait, I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't, because I, there's almost nothing in it. Maybe the only other thing I can think of is when the Russian attacks him oh, in the torture the... with... Foster? The torture with, Fo- uh, torture with Foster is... It's a little... I mean, it's nails and... But, but you I, don't, don't really see show, most yeah. of it. You don't no, see, you don't well, see any of it. So that could the be the Russian in the, the house. The Russian when, in the house because he kills him with the he kills him cutter. with the, the paper cutter blade. Yeah. But I don't remember that being gory either. No, it was that movie is not a gory film. There's not no. a the, the only well, like we said with, with yeah, Blade. Like if Blade were released today as it is, it you'd have a chance to be a PG thirteen oh, yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yes, it's it's 
back to going, everything will be rated R from now on. Do you think that James Gunn does have a point, though? I mean, he's already heard execs saying that, oh, we need to start looking more towards being like Deadpool. And you can't make, you know, it's Guardians a blank, of the Galaxy, it's Gar- a Deadpool. Blanket, you can't make... It's a blanket statement. What, what you should take away from it is that if you have subject matter and you look at it and go, you know what, if we treat this seriously, we can make this an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. And not be scared of that anymore. Right. If the flip is, well, we already got X Force in production. We're gonna we're gonna murder everybody in X Force, and we're gonna get an R rating because R rating rules now. That's what the kids want. That's then you're going in the wrong direction. See, I the think biggest... X Force is something that definitely should be R rated. It shouldn't. There's nothing in X Force that makes it right. an R rating. I, I, and I it do... would be the same thing as this. If you want to have every character in in, in X Force say the F word, because the F word's used in Deadpool what eighty four times, eighty five times, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's an insane amount. They just decided that's what they wanted to do. And, of course, there's a lot of other language in it as well. Yeah. And it's for this guy's first big major motion picture, too, to come yeah. out with this kind of runaway success. No, it's mm-hmm. huge. But, but again, an X-Force film doesn't have to have an... You don't have to make it R to treat the subject correctly. Right, because they're, they're, they're more of a black ops team. They're not like this kooky band of characters. I mean, especially if you're going to pick a team that's... Uh, um, Someone like Phantom X's team. If, if they're going to do the Wolverine team, if you're doing if, you do if you're Wolverine, doing Remender's team, right. If you do the even if you do the Chris Yost team, which was in the same vein, it was Wolverine's secret team yeah. to go out and well, yeah. But the Yost team was a, was a lot more of a murder kill. You know, they, they were, were they, they were a both murder of them squad. They both of them were. But the the Yost team was set up as that. It was Cyclops going. I need a team that kind of does the bad do. things that we can't do. Right. And I don't want to hear about it. Just go do it. Remender picks it up as once that's shut down, Wolverine goes, no, we still need this team. Yeah. We're just doing it in secret. But the thing is, if you're talking about a murder team, they can still kill people. All, all three of the Lord of the Rings films are PG-13. Right. And there's a lot of people that get hacked up in those films. It's not super gory, but there's a lot of people that are dead. Yeah, you don't you just, have to use yeah, people getting their an X-Force team. Yeah, off. you don't have to use X-Force in the fact that they're going to go kill people. But see, it I doesn't think, have I think to be that, R. I, I want to see Domino Len- naked, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, um, but Deadpool lends itself because of the comedy aspect of it and the silliness to, to have something yes, like that. Yes, it's easier to go rated R, especially with comedy, because there's a lot of different comedy that can push boundaries, especially with languages, is really how you get the R rating. Right. All, yeah. it, all it takes it, is... Two all, F-words, yeah, and you're Two F-words, and that's R... Which one is, one MF. Get, yeah, and that's that's you're done, and you get the R rating, and that's you know all the movie studios shaking their boots. But I think it also shows that good films, no matter what, transcend their rating. Especially when you look at things like the '80s and early '90s for action films, which are almost all rated R films, which right. which are not which were not only box office draws, but are huge classics in terms of specific genres. You look at a movie like RoboCop, which is rated R. You get to watch Murphy get blown apart. Right. Mm-hmm. But nobody goes, oh, my goodness, the, uh, the, the violence. Oh, my God, the violence. Look at Rambo. You know, yeah, Rambo, which got a children's cartoon show. <laughs> and a toy line. So did RoboCop. RoboCop so did, yeah. got a TV show, too. They made alien toys, and that had an alien breaking out of a man's chest like a prison breaker, Andy Dufresne. Uh, so no, the the idea that 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 the R rating is death is something that the studios I believe imposed on themselves and was not indicative of any 
trends. Well, right. what you what you start seeing those PG thirteen films do so well when you saw X Men do well as a PG thirteen film, you saw X two do right. well, and especially once you get into Avengers, these big Marvel films, Iron right. Man and Avengers, they're all PG thirteen. It's like it gives it enough of an edge yeah. that the kids, the hip kids, will buy it as something serious. But we don't have to make it an R so that the hip kids can get into yes. these films. Yeah. Well, you remember when Star Wars uh, Revenge of the Sith was announced that it would be PG-13. Everybody thought that was going to be the death of it. I don't know if anyone thought it was the death of it. It because was just kind of an odd piece. Like, what the hell makes it PG-13? And in that case, it was subject matter. It was the right. subject matter of the last third of the film. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, we're, hey, kids, just watch. A bunch of guys, they're going to turn on the Jedi and murder them. Somehow the Jedi aren't going to figure this out, even though we've shown that they should. But you know they're all going to get killed. So, but it's a kind of it's just subject matter. And, yes. and um, uh, I always want to say it's Rick Berman. It's not Rick Berman. I can't remember the producer's name. Lots of Rick. Uh, McCollum. McCollum. Yeah. McCollum. McCollum says it on the on the commentary track mm-hmm. where he says this is what got us our PG thirteen rating was because the subject matter in the last third. There's no well, joy in the last they, third they, of that. They film. reshot. They reshot the uh, burning Anakin three different ways yeah. for the just in case. Mm-hmm. Um. No, but I, Deadpool to me, the only—I mean—if you want to talk, we'll go around now and talk about what you didn't like about it. the one big problem I had with it was, even though I get that when he, when his X gene took over, the cancer refer- showed itself on the outside. I would have—it would have been cooler if that when he set the oxygen off and he burned himself. Because one of the things with Deadpool is that every scar he he, he keeps every scar from. From when he gets you know shot or stabbed or whatnot, the burn and everything look to it that he had would have been really cool if it just became off of when he blew himself up. Mm. But that's not it, the the way that it's originally written. That's what it was. Because the, the point is, it wasn't him burning. Right. It was he was immediately once he received the treatment, he was immediately disfigured. Yeah, it was the the can basically the it, cancer it, showing itself on the outside. Well, not not just that, but he ran through every stage of his cancer and then healed. Yeah, because that was that, it's, it's a regenerative said piece. It in the movie. Yeah, and it, and that's the way that it was set up in in, so, in the comic when they kind of yeah. read it as origin. It was in order to beat the cancer, they had to act. You know, whatever he received, he goes through every stage, like right. in in an accelerated potion, and that's what makes him look like like crap. Right, and it also depends, and you also have to remember, and you also would, you weren't going to burn who... him completely because Ryan Reynolds is in the film; he's right. at least recognizable. Sure. It's one of those things you look at him and go, "He doesn't look that bad." When the jokes that they made yeah. about it, it's not—he's not that he's much not of that, a He's not that bad. I mean, some and of the some of the ways that they've shown him. decision too. Yeah, I mean, if they decide to go even further next movie, they don't really need an explanation. Right, well, <laughs> even in the comics, his appearance varies from. Yeah, from it issue depends to issue. on the way he looks in X Force isn't anything like yeah. it looks like in the some regular. artists have him with no skin on parts of his muscles. Yeah, flesh. It's, it's, some artists just have. He looks like a zombie almost. Yeah, some. And, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's changing because he's always regenerating. I, I thought that the funny part in terms of that appearance is um, I remember what interview he was doing. But he was talking about the the fight scene where he's fighting naked, yeah. and they had to apply make, makeup to his entire body. Yeah, he was he was in the makeup chair at something like one a.m. for a ten a.m. or eleven a.m. call time to be on the set because it took so long to put the makeup on, and he had to cover his entire body in the yeah, makeup. Like, that makeup. sucks, man. First, Beth, Beth looked at me and goes, do you think that's his, or do you think... I'm like, honey, that's probably a fabricated one. I well, said, we all know that Mark Wahlberg's penis really comes down to his knee. Yeah. Um, did you like the jokes that it made of itself? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, the Ryan Reynolds... The, the Wolverine, or the, the Hugh Jackman, at the end, 
with when he takes off the mask. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a brilliant nod to the idea that everyone kept saying that Hugh Jackman was going to be in the film. Yeah. That he'd have uh, like, uh, that single cameo role, like first class, where right. he says the FU. No, but the, it, it the still was a way to Hugh Jackman cameo that no one ever said he would be in the film. Exactly. That but apparently he supposedly was on set or something. Yeah, I'm sure he was like, oh, hey, how's it going, everybody? And then he left. Oh, so, uh, so this is what a good origin film looks like? Right. And Did, for me, the what I appreciated the most is that not so much the breaking of the fourth wall, which was really good, but even the knowledge within the movie that the film, that he is in a movie and that his entire universe is a film universe. Yes. And that Hugh Jackman both exists for us, but is what Wolverine is in that movie universe. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really fun that it's like, no, he's not really Wolverine. He's just an actor playing Wolverine. They just all think it's real. Well, he's the only one in the in the comic books that knows yeah, he's, he's in a comic book. No, uh, well, not true. Well, She-Hulk also knows she's in a comic book. Well, John Byrne She-Hulk. <laughs> no, even, even the current She-Hulks in the previous run, too, they made references. Oh, Dan Slott's run? Uh, Dan Slott's or run. They made references to... Uh, to the comic books in their universe being legal oh. representations of cases, and she occasionally they occasionally hung on to the her winking at the reader, right? So she is still aware that she is in a comic book as well. So that's two. I'm sure there's. I think there's one more. I love the fact that um, the the um, McAvoy uh, yeah Stewart comment that was great, and the the fact that you know. Uh, the the whole universe the, or multi universe is confusing to him. Yes. Yeah, can't keep the timeline straight. I, I love that. But I thought it, it poked fun at things that, in advance of what people may say for it, it's it, it's the the mansion mansion almost, blowing yeah, up. Yeah. No, well, no, it's it's almost like the movie studio didn't pay to have more than two actors in this. But in terms of the X Men, right? Yeah, the it's, only other it's time getting ever ahead of full is X Men One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, it's getting ahead of people that would go like, well, why isn't this person in it? Why didn't they use some of the characters from Age of Apocalypse? Why, you know, this could have been Jean Grey's first appearance. Why did you? No, it's just right. it was a movie that was done very quickly, <laughs> and quote unquote on the cheap. You can call it what a seventy-five million dollar budget. I will on the say cheap. I, I loved the opening title sequence. Just on the fact that they gave no names, it was just a bunch of oh like, yeah, it was the scriptive like, text. Yeah, it, was, it, was like it was definitely some some dude that got paid a lot more than he should have for this. Yeah, movie. it was just like you know, really they're, they're, they're controlling freak or whatever villain. generic British film. It was it set the tone immediately for what your film you were going to get. Yeah, and, yeah. and even a way there it was something. It was a self aware type of film. I don't know about you guys, but when I went and saw it on Friday night, no one got up at the end of the film. And they stayed till everybody stayed until the, the very end to, to see the after. Half credit. our theater cleared out. Yeah, that, did they really? Well, yep. it's also Marvel. I don't remember seeing that. But Marvel has well, trained the, the, the people audience in front well. of us who got up and clocked out. Hmm. I think Some there was like two or three people that left, but most of our yeah. theater stayed. Too. Yeah, you sort of wonder when people are like, really? I mean, they made a big deal. I will say, if you want to talk about things that I hated, I hated the fact that what what they did. In I loved the the, the post credit scene because yeah. it's a nod to the first famous, if not the first ever post-credit scene in Ferris Bueller. Yes. Mm. yes. But the fact that the fun part of it is, hey, Cable's in the next one. Every geek site put that out on uh -huh. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yep. And that was my, I was like, really? You couldn't let that be a part for the audience. You had to tell everybody to, Cable confirmed for sequel. We're not going to tell you how we know, but because we saw the movie on Monday yep. as a review screening, we know that Cable's in the second one because he says at the end, so when we get to the end credit for us as an audience, and I look at it like, well, that's there's nothing exciting there. Because apparently so. there were two. Yeah, of them. I didn't hear any of that crap. So apparently there were there were two clicks. end credit scenes shot, and 
The well, one that was... they showed at the premiere is different than the one that was showed to the well, audience. Well, remember, there were three end credit scenes for Origin. Right. There was three different ways to show that Deadpool was still alive. Yeah, know? I mean, and I, I when I saw the movie, I don't know why I saw it twice in the theater, but I saw it two different the two different ways, and at the end of it, the, the I think the second one uh, showed Deadpool's mouth open and him, you know, the severed head and he's yeah. smiling or something. Yeah, it was like a smile, and wasn't it? He shoots the laser beam out again. Yeah, and then he moved mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I well, but so that that other that was the other thing it was when he when Deadpool or Wade makes fun of himself of. You know, of I used to have powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't he, I'm going to sew your mouth shut. I wouldn't do that. That's a really yeah, bad yeah, idea. Really <laughs> well, they show the action figure. Yeah, from actually, it's it a collectible that. as he throws it in his backpack. Yeah. yeah. T.J. Miller has said that um, for the Blu-ray release, they're going to do as a director's cut unrated because there was so much Stuff that they shot. Out. Oh yeah, that they had to cut out oh, yeah, for the movie, yeah. and so it's going to be extended. It's going to be unrated. Deleted, it's going to be director's cut. Yeah. I, I had a lot. So. It's one of those. It's one by of the way, yeah. T.J. Miller is one of the most unheralded and underrated oh, totally. comedic actors. He is hilarious, and people do not give him enough credit. There's certain movies that there's some movies I can't stand him, and then there's really? some movies that I've, I've, well, no, Transformers Four is terrible anyway. Well, yeah, that's not his fault. He's probably the only part of that that made me kind of chuckle. See, here's the thing with T.J. Miller. He reminds me a lot of Ryan Reynolds when Ryan Reynolds started out, as far as his comedy sure. and everything. And I, and they they work very very well together. He's not as joyous of a comedian as yeah. Ryan it's Reynolds it's a, it's a is, more but it's of a more thing. of a dry, I mean, it's smart, the, the really dry smart ass. But see, that's of, how what is it? Out of your league or whatever? She's out of your she's league. out of your league. Yeah. He's perfect in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. Um, He's perfect. I'm just gonna lose my voice with Jay Yes. Yeah. That's why you didn't see it. Yeah, that's right. Anything about Deadpool you didn't like? Some weird editing here and there, but I mean, that's more of a technical thing and uh, some of the it, mostly for pacing, some of the weird edits because uh, they did a lot of jump cuts to sort of speed time through yeah. certain scenes. Right. That's about it. I mean, otherwise, I thought the writing was solid. And for me, my my the biggest like on the checklist of criteria for like a good superhero movie is capturing the essence of a character. And it did that successfully. For all of the characters? Mm-hmm. Yes. For everyone. Even even Colossus, which some people have hit and miss with. I loved Colossus in the movie because he's the Colossus that is in Deadpool comics. Not in the regular X-Men comics. Right. Yeah, he's the funny Colossus that is, I'm trying to teach you something. Yes. He's a stereotypical Russian. And that's what I enjoy. Everyone's like, but he's not like this. Like, it's like, no, no, no. If you read a Deadpool Supposedly, comic. Supposedly, it's, it's a different actor that... Yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah, it was yeah, they, oh, yeah, they decided Colossus. to redo the voice to do yeah. it even funnier, which is fine. And I mean, they, that took five actors to mm-hmm. do Colossus for different And the great scenes. thing about Deadpool is you can have that different Colossus and then change it for X Men. Yes, yeah, oh. exactly. Because Deadpool is completely separate from the X Men universe in its own bizarre way because it's Deadpool. Because nothing mm-hmm. that movie does will ever affect, they'll never bring him up, they'll never mention <clears> him again, and then he'll get another movie. And do that's you all think, that matters. do you think after this that Fox will bring him up because it is I don't such think a draw. He, I don't think he fits in the type of film. I mean, in terms of the Brian Singer films, yeah. I don't think he fits in the type of films right. he doesn't, that Brian Singer yeah, is He doesn't going fit, to, to but show. it's also one of those things like it's not necessary because then at that point it would just be seen as pandering because the then inter- you'll never put him in the movie. The interesting thing is if they do Remender's X Force. Right. If they do the Remender's version of X Force with Psylocke, Phantom X, Wolverine, mm-hmm. and Deadpool. Are you going to do that? And you may not be able to because you may not be able to afford to put Ryan Reynolds in that film. 
He's already said he wants to do that. It doesn't matter whether he wants, wants to, to or not. That's true. Wants to is great until they he, come up to you and like, we're going to give you $2 million. No, no, no. You're going to give me 20 No, we're going to give you 2 I don't want to do this film anymore. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like Independence Day where they have like they had like yeah. a budget of like two hundred million dollars and Will Smith alone wanted fifty plus million. Woo! I need fifty plus million to be in your movie. Ah, my kids are crazy. And when they told him no, he quit and then started complaining that like, well, they didn't bring me back. They didn't, you know, they just didn't want me enough. Like, I'd yeah. say Ryan Reynolds is a pretty he, good guy that he would probably go he, under. He also I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. Do you think, yeah. think it'd be more of a back end deal? No, it's one of those things where, like, look, you're either paying Hugh Jackman or Ryan Reynolds. You're not getting both. <laughs> Although everybody wants to see a Wolverine Deadpool movie. Yes, and they're not going to get it because he's because even well, uh, Hugh Jackman has said he's got one left. So. They yeah. already got a Wolverine and Deadpool movie. Yes, he did. Do you think? Do you think? Terrible. Do you think that Deadpool could show up in Wolverine three for a small part? Uh, not if they're gonna if if could do his head if they go if old anything man of the yeah if they do the old man look again if they. It just doesn't fit in that kind of story. Right. Like, it's sort of like the way that they used Wolverine in X-Men First Class. It fits for that half a second. Mm -hmm. His attitude is just like, hey, come be on the team. Fuck you. Hey, you're a mutant. Come yeah, join us. I'm not. Fuck you. I'm done. Right. And it was perfect. If you actually put him in that entire film, it doesn't, it work. doesn't work for that film. You use him in the second one. It, it works in terms of the type of characters. You put Deadpool in Age of Apocalypse, it's not going to make any sense. Right. True. It well, just, it, because you're then he just takes off his mask and it's Deadpool, <laughs> yeah. really. That would be great. We reshot the ending. Oh! <laughs> or Deadpool just Deadpool. kill Apocalypse because nothing yeah. would work on him. Okay, so <laughs> Easter eggs. Deadpool follows all of the Marvel tropes, you know, yeah. whether it's Marvel Studios or not, and has plenty of Easter eggs. This one was yeah. no... The Helicarrier was the big one. It was until everybody realized that Hy uh, the Hydra Bob was in it. And that was the one that's got them in trouble right now. Because Fox doesn't own the rights to Hydra Bob. They don't well, call him Hydra Bob. They, they didn't call him Bob. They, they do everything, and Fox came yeah, out. Well, but he's, but he's also not Hydra Bob. He's Bob, he's and Bob. he was the waiter at a restaurant on one of his vacations. No, Ooh. he was his best friend in, in Special Ops. He says it, and then yeah. he, show, he shows up at the end, and they confirm that he is Hydra Bob. I didn't realize that until I saw it. Well, yeah, he, oh, he, they can confirm sense. it yeah. in a, in a but thing. But they never said it's Hydra. A it's a roundabout. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a nod to the Bob character that yes. was in Joe Casey. I, I get that. Yeah. Because but it's, it's, but it's not Bob. There's Hydra no Bob. legal recourse. It's not Hydra Bob because they never said Hydra. There is no Hydra. It's just the, Bob. It would be the same thing as Cap mentioning the Professor in an Avengers film. Right. We all may think, oh, he's talking about Professor Xavier. but Well, there, he, there are the several sites that come out and said that it was that there possibly could be some legal ramifications for that. There's, there's no way. There, they have, they would they, have, it seems to me that they would have no claim because they never call him Hydra Bob. Yeah. He never Bob, wears Bob, the Hydra they, outfit. They don't have a trademark on Bob. Yeah. Right. The, to me, the, the helicarrier would be more of the... The helicarrier is a big thing. Again, but never, it's also, it's never, they never say helicarrier. Yeah. They never say shield. And it's, and a design, it's, a, it's a design that is not super exclusive. We've seen well, they, what they said was ships... They said they, they said make it a helicarrier, make it a shield helicarrier, but change it enough from the Movies. movie yeah, version. Yeah. It looks like the comic book version. Yeah, which is yeah. Fine. It, it looks more like a classic mm -hmm. aircraft carrier. I, I which thought the original it was helicarrier was. Yeah. I thought it was great to have it in there. It, it kind yeah, of little pieces. It's one of those things where as soon as I when, when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, "Is that a helicarrier? Or is that it's just like?" And yeah, when well, I saw the film, I was like, "Holy shit!" That's I got a about halfway that's through a, that scene before. No, realizing, I'm like, oh, wait, we're in the wrong universe. We're not <laughs> supposed to have a helicarrier in this. 
So, okay, so we're going to switch topics now. We're um, switch topics that hard. You didn't have yeah, to like put the brakes on. <laughs> I'm just like looking at the I know, time, but I wanted to bro. get to rebirth anyways because there's. Uh, uh, we, we got. We got. It's okay. Where are we at? Purposely. We're five at five hours still. Forty-four minutes. Wow, that's longer than I thought. Well, we were waiting. For, I stalled for Sebastian. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. But no, um, we yes, no. It was. It, it was a good film. Made a whole lot of money. It did. It was. A, I will say it's on my list. I'm about halfway through that film, and we saw it Saturday morning. I think. I knew you had already seen it. And about halfway through the film, I'm like, oh my God, Rich must love this film. <laughs> I did. I'm going to hear so much about this fucking film for the next two years. <laughs> I love it. Wa- I was waiting for a dance sequence just to go, oh God, no, I'm going to have to do the whole thing for years. <laughs> the dance sequence. <laughs> the, oh the telltale is if Rich is going to buy it on digital like a oh, week I or will. two before it comes he's out. Ar- he's DVD. already bought it. He's I've already, already watched it twice. And, uh, or three times. Watch it whenever oh, it comes Because I watched on it one HBO. time on the uh, bootleg. It's a good thing you announced over the air. I know, right? Good job. I've already paid double my money on it, and I'll, I'll buy it in, you know, yeah, nothing various like, forms. Nothing like getting, you know, Juan Pablo to shoot it with his <laughs> iPhone from um, the back row. Oh, no, but yeah, I, I love that movie. It was it was exactly what I wanted for the Deadpool Yes, movie. it was a very visceral reaction. Again, did not have the same reaction as a lot of other people did. We're like, this is the greatest thing that's ever existed in the history of mankind. Oh, my God, I love it. I went, It was good. I enjoyed it. But I don't have that reaction to a lot of films anymore. Best uh, best performing origin film of of any of them that have been out. Beth is no best, best performing. <laughs> Beth is performing all of the origin films. <laughs> She'll be there every Saturday night for the next five months. Uh, outdid Captain America. Outdid Thor. Outdid all of you know Spider Man. Outdid yeah, all those films are old enough now that really those numbers don't even count. Outdid anymore. Iron Man. You know, they have to also Same account for inflation Man. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Iron Man three outdid Iron Man. A lot. I mean, heck, just the ticket prices alone. Iron Man between three and its opening weekend. Was it like yeah, but see, I, I don't like that. I, I I know we talk about that all the time and everything. Inflation I matters I because no, less it, people go see movies. But yeah. it also matters because it's in more theaters. This, that, and the other. There's a hundred different ways to, yeah, to look but, at but, it. But but collectively, people year over year don't go see movies in the movie theater, and inflation matters a lot because. Gone with the Wind is still the highest grossing film of all time when you adjust for inflation. Yeah, in sure. terms of pure tickets sold. It, and it, numbers are numbers, and you get those numbers. But you qualify everything, yes. it Probably more people went to see this than went to see the opening weekend of Captain America, the first Avenger. You could sit here now and look at the numbers really close to Avengers. But Avengers just simply had more people in the theater. Right. It just did. There's, there's, and, and it's one thing or the other. It, it performs well enough that people are willing to go spend eleven bucks or what the fuck did we pay like fourteen or something? Right. We, you also have love to, of yeah, God. You also have to take we got down. into the wrong theater. Did you go to the XL? You also have to remember if you're gonna if you're gonna compare, especially to something like Iron Man One, which came out in two thousand and eight. I paid like eight dollars for my ticket in two thousand and eight. I paid sixteen dollars for Deadpool. What the hell did you Deadpool? I just went to go to the regular Arclight non three D showing. Stop yeah. going to the Arclight, dude. See we, we, I, we, I we want to a the good XL. audience and I can't find one anywhere but Arclights. So Oh, so the snobby Arclight people yes. are the good audience. We went to the <laughs> XL theater here in uh, Thousand Oaks and it was sixteen. That's where we went. We yeah, because went you went after, after, after Matinee, yeah. too. Well, yeah. we and yes, Matinee prices are always nicer too, especially because I usually go yeah, and see the, them the really early in the morning. It's not. It's like I, I missed the days when like, it was like half price. Yes, you know, so like I do eleven wanna... bucks and six bucks. You're like, yay! Mm-hmm. But now it's like eleven bucks, ten dollars. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. I also well, got Saturday, invited last Saturday's minute. Children uh, at Movieco. Children are more than adults. 
for Saturday. It's their their tickets like eleven bucks, and adults are nine. Got to get for them some student theater. IDs. Well, what's funny is when at we night. No, during the day. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like, where are you paying nine bucks at night? Okay, no, no, yes. no, during the day. Why don't yes, because they, they don't adjust for, the matinee price stupid. for kids. Well, it was funny because I was looking at the ticket because my boss bought our tickets, but we went on a Friday matinee and it was like nine twenty-five. I was like, the popcorn and the drink. Were more expensive than the ticket. That's well, just ridiculous. Well, that's, yeah. that's been like that for a day. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have to Paid charge like, those prices because yeah. they, they're literally breaking even paying for the reels mm-hmm. in ticket prices. They yeah, don't make any that, money that, on them. Because all your money in the first weekend goes back to the studio and then it, it yeah. cuts each one down. Well, no, it was just funny that because I, I got a small popcorn and a small drink. Probably cost like 20 And it bucks. was like twelve sixty five. Yeah. And the did ticket you not, was Did nine. you not buy your bosses since he bought your ticket? I did. But okay. It's still like, you know. I was like, just for one small popcorn and one drink, it was no, like three dollars more than the ticket. So, in wrapping this up, <laughs> uh, Chris, this does prove one thing that you have been saying all along for superhero movies: it doesn't matter when you release a movie, as long as it's a good a, film. A, no, yeah, a big film like this that's got that's got that sort of thing. I think it still matters where you release some films because. Do you think next simply, month's March release of uh, Batman versus it's Superman? It's an odd one. It's, it's really it's to WonderCon me, it weekend. Is. Did you least, have you heard SoCal. what they said though? That's that crap. they're getting worried about this film and it may change the they that may end the up changing their the universe uh, because of their this. universe, yeah. And they already have a Wonder Woman movie that they're halfway through shooting that that's that success depends on this movie as well. <laughs> yep. Especially if they decide to redo everything and their entire style for their film. So series. what we're saying is that the movie verse will go through a Rebirth. It also. will. Speaking of rebirth, there we go. <laughs> Stupid. Um, segway. Segway. Gotta do good segway. So DC has announced it was a little while ago that there's this rebirth that's coming, and a lot of people didn't know what it was. Well, over the weekend at the Comics Pro meeting up north in Oregon, they gave you a lot more information. In Oregon. In Oregon. Um, What's an Oregon? It was a special announcement. Uh, Jeff Johns did a video which basically was talking about the previous rebirths that they've done in Green Lantern and the Flash. And to a certain degree, Flashpoint as well. We talked a lot about the fact that Flash is a catalyst to a lot of these different changes, like cri- Crisis on Infinite Earths and Flashpoint and what have you. And Rich just Rich has died. Himself. He's died. What the hell was that? He, he, there's a bunch of tools and stuff in the middle of the walkway. And, uh, he, he tried died. to jump over it, but he didn't <laughs> jump high enough, apparently. Oh, poor baby. You got to get that, those hurdles back under there, buddy. Um, also, fire hazard. Yeah. So, it's a work environment, damn it. It's a work environment. <laughs> We're trying to work here. So the, the um, they held a panel up at Comics, at Comics Pro. And it, it featured Dan Adio. It featured uh, Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, who are co-publishers. Uh, well, Adio and Jim Lee are co-publishers, and then Johns is the creative director. Uh, revealed to retailers of plans to provide these books with more story and more often, as we'll talk about later. Beginning in June, all of DC Universe monthly and now twice monthly titles. We'll ship at a new lower price at two ninety nine. They're holding the line at two ninety nine again. We shall see if except the for the major titles, right? Except for the no, major titles everything, they, everything is oh, as of right now. Everything is two ninety nine. Wow. What they don't know, what hasn't been revealed, is if the content uh, uh, will now. stay the same. Because when they went from three ninety nine to two ninety nine, they cut two sort two pages out of the story. Yeah, they're twenty page made books. Twenty pages. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see if it becomes. If 18. you bought twenty two pages and up, they were three ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. And you they got more back ads. Issues, your back issue. Yep. Stuff like yep. that. Um, it, so they revealed their new lineup as well. It includes a combination of existing titles that will start off with number ones and some new titles. Um, titles will begin their runs under the Rebirth banner. Each book gets a Rebirth issue, and mm-hmm. then it follows with a number one. So there's a one-shot, and then there's a number one. 
One of the big changes, DC's flagship legacy title, Detective in Action, will go back to legacy number. Detective will pick up with issue 934, and Action Comics will start with issue 957. So they're trying to get them to their 700s? Their 700s? They're, they're nine, trying to get them to their thousands. thousands. <laughs> action Comics will reach... I was back to the According Spider-Man. to Jeff Johns, Action Comics will reach 1,000. And then um, there's, there's a mangaka in Japan going, 1,000 yeah, after thousand. 75 we, years. We do that in six months. What are you talking about? <laughs> I do one, I do, I do one 22 page issue a week. Yeah, come on. They, they make theirs like porn, right? Basically. Um, Three of them a day. They've released all the titles. They haven't released any of the creative teams. That will be done on March 26th, which is Saturday of WonderCon. Uh, that event, that press conference, or panel, whatever you want to call it, it is live-streamed on DC Entertainment's YouTube channel. So That panel's going to be a to bitch it. to get into. That panel's going to be hell to get into, but it should be fun to try. Jeff Johns on Superman again, please. Uh, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We're going to get Batman and his parents getting a rebirth. I don't think you're going to see that. I already read Earth One, so... Hey, look, every time DC gets a chance to show the Waynes die, they do. So we'll go real quick through... Um, I'm going to run through this as quick as possible. So we're going to see stuff started in June. Uh, June, we see Rebirth specials and number ones for Aquaman, Batman, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, Superman, Titans, and Wonder Woman. Those will be shipping twice a month. Uh... Action Comics and Detective Comics will start then. That's also twice a month. I'm sorry. I believe that's July. That's July. Uh, and then we get... Is that the week of Comic-Con, probably? Uh, probably not. I think it's starting first month. It should be starting first week of July, as far as I know. I have They'll probably be having it. some freebies, though, at Comic-Con. I'm sure they have a lot. Well, do you remember what they did last... Well, no, two years ago with Harley and a couple of the others that they... They did previews. Maybe it is true. Yeah. Maybe it is true. Um, July, we have Rebirth Specials and Titles for... Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Hellblazer, Nightwing, and Red Hood. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Justice League, and Nightwing will all be shipping, shipping twice monthly. Shipping monthly will be Batgirl, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Hellblazer, Red Hood and the Outlaws, The Superman, and Titans. And then, not given a specific date, but just saying fall, we see Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, Deathstroke, Earth 2, which they're trying again. Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Teen Titans, Trinity. Excuse me as I flip the page. And they're also trying to do Batman Beyond again without Terry McGinnis, and we all know how well that worked yeah, out last time. Out well. Cyborg, <laughs> uh, the, the Harley Quinn Justice League America. Um, do this, yeah, and then the Trinity book that's there. So the, the, I had to put and paste this list, and apparently I missed something. Well, um, isn't Titans supposed to be out in May? No. What was supposed to be coming out with pre-comic book day? It's the girl... The it's the it's, it's the, the superhero girls. Superhero girls yeah. Yeah. The free comic book day and offering is Suicide Squad. Okay. It's a reprint of the new Fifty Two Suicide Squad, and then their silver or you know B listing is the new um, that, that Super Girls. Yeah. Jeff Johns did uh, an interview with comic book uh, comic book resources, and they asked him about. Um, I just want to cover uh, do a couple of these quotes that were here. Um, it's talking about the balance and what they're doing going forward because it is a major change just not only in the books themselves in terms of creative teams, but in philosophy. Uh, he says, this is Jeff Johns' quote from CBR. This is not about making all the books feel the same. You have individual voices and writers and artists, obviously, and they all have their own particular vision. And that's important. It's about all of us coming together, not marching on the same narrow path, but living in the same universe again, working with people who share passion and love for the DC universe, however they see it. I have absolutely loved every second of working with everyone. They talk about the success of DC has had with film and TV. 
uh, and the opportunities there to make the comics more like the TV shows and movies, cop- uh, popular- or capitalize on their popularity. Uh, John's quote from there. Uh, quote, I know people have been talking about, they're going to make the comics like the TV shows and the films. Why would we do that? These aren't licensed comics. That's boring. We already have TV and the films, and those are great. The comics are their own thing. We talked about Green Arrow with the writer, and all we talked about, uh, the great Green Arrow runs, all we talked about was the great Green Arrow runs that have happened. There have been a lot of great, a lot of them. If there's something interesting we see in film or TV that we want to not bring over, we do it, but it's really much more focused on the comic books themselves. He talks about the terms of rebirth. With DC Universe Rebirth, it's the same, I think. If you have, like me, long boxes of DC Comics, you will be very happy. If you've never read a DC comic before, you won't be too lost. This is definitely for comic book readers more than it is for casual readers, just like Green Lantern Rebirth, but that doesn't mean it's exclusive of them, end quote. That, I thought, was one of the most important pieces. Um, How much of the legacy do you think they're bringing back? It it depends. We'll get through that type of stuff. I will. I'll throw confetti around the city if I get Wally West back. We'll see. Well, that's one of the big things. That, that was one of the about. big things they were talking about. Was um, the... Real quick, go, going back to original numberings, quote, that alone, although it we're seems small. Uh, so just take me to downtown LA, give me a small bag of confetti. I'll just go, Wally West is alive! And then run away. <laughs> and then the children, the children will come back. Um, even though most of the books are relaunching at number one, the fact that action and detective are returning to their original numbers says something about the tone of what this is. Dan and Jim and myself are psyched that we're going to get to action number 1,000. But that alone, even though it seems small, I think it's a huge symbol of what we're trying to do. I realize that people will be skeptical. They've heard it before. They think they've read everything. I totally get that and appreciate and understand it. They should be skeptical. It's up to all of us to make our respective books worth your time and money. You mentioned Wally West. That's one of the big things that people are talking about is that the, in a way of retconning, much like they did with New 52, of taking bits and pieces and stick, taking bits and pieces of legacy again. It almost seems like what they wanted to do is call this convergence, but they couldn't because that event cost them like $7 million. Right. Um, it feels like it's sort of a converging of some of these pieces. Again, it's back to basics, which is a term they hate. John's mentions it in the in the video of it's not something so simple as to say back to basics. It's a change in tone, which is opposite their recent DCU. Yeah, but the DCU tone. has been like we want to tell we want the writers to tell their own stories. That's and they tried it. Yes, that's that's what he was talking about. Recently, they did this thing. trend of this idea of DCU YOU, and that it was an attempt to not worry as much about continuity and making sure that all the books were kind of on the same page as trying to get... Good stories. Good stories, no matter where they existed. And we got yeah. something like Titans Hunt, which is based off of the pre-New 52 Titans team. Right. And these characters sort of starting to remember this this thing. That's been one of the rumors as well, is that this is a remembrance in that something happens in Flashpoint that makes the New, the new 52 an overlay of the original DC Universe. The original DC Earth One, right? Or they Earth never, X, yeah, that was one of the big mysteries that they set up for a while. Because originally, suppose going back, Flash uh, Flashpoint was never supposed to be a used as a reboot. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be an adventure story, big summer event. It was never meant to lead into a like let's hit the reset and start everybody over again. But then that was the the hand was forced, and they turned it into that. And then going forward, they're like there are mysteries to solve. What changes? Why couldn't Barry remember his friends the way they were? Why did some of them change personalities completely? What happened in Convergence wasn't a good enough explanation 
because all it was is like, oh, those universes still exist, just Earth-1 looks different for some reason, and Earth-2 for some reason. So they're going to do a Dallas... Especially especially when when Barry Allen is friends with Jay Garrick for almost 50 years, you don't redo the universe and go, I'm going to make him young and hip again. You know, it's like, no, you, you... it was it was a weak explanation for why everything was different. It's like Barry couldn't remember his friends. He couldn't remember his wife. He didn't re- go remember the wedding of Lois and Clark. He didn't remember Green Arrow and Green Lantern. You know, two guys saving the people on the streets, and that eventually got lost in the story of the New Fifty Two. Is because it's like, well, we've we've too far in. We can't really answer these questions anymore. And over the years, char- even characters like Booster Gold, who like Doctor Who when Jeff Johns took over for him, was supposed to be completely immune to changes in the timeline and the universe. Yeah, he had one of the most important stories right around right. Flashpoint point because he, could, he would see the differences. Yes, he saw the differences, and then a couple issues in, they gave him amnesia, and he couldn't remember, and he was supposed to be the one who was like, why do you look different? What's going on? It's a psycho pirate. So what do yeah, you think it, was, it was exactly the psycho pirate. The psycho pirate, pirate post-crisis was the only one that remembered the pre-crisis universe. Right, and they did that. Uh, oh. Jeff Johns's four-issue Power Girl story was him coming back to terrorize the people he remembered yeah. and trying so, to get them to, like... So the rumor is that, that, that one of the, the options of it is, is, in a sense of a retcon, is that we take the DC universe that existed until 2011 in terms of our Earth. And again, that universe didn't exist for 60 years because of all the different crises right. that changed it. Right. And what this, what Flashpoint did, is it just put an overlay on top of it, as if you took you took a sheet of paper, and this is the new, this is the DC universe, and then a sheet of paper that transfer has holes paper, in it, a transfer paper that said extreme, yeah, <laughs> but more something almost like a coating, you know, sure. in, in, like, like like in a spy film where it's got different pieces cut out, is placed on top of it, and that when you place it on top of it, it removes uh, Tim Drake as Robin. It removes some of the pieces of Green Lantern Corps. It removes who Mr. Terrific was to a certain degree. But there's still, there's still the essence of Tim Drake is in this because here's the holes in this piece of paper, right. this code that how we did, put over it. How did Batman go through four Robins in, in five, five years? years? Yeah, well, the That's... biggest biggest mistake they made was give it some Battle sort of world. Battle World. Battle World. Yeah. As much as I hate being mean-spirited, because of everyone at DC, Jeff Johns is the nicest person. And I think the person with the ear to the ground about how to modernize characters because he's he did it many many times over he did it with green lantern rebirth mm-hmm. he, did he did it, it in the dc 52 with he aquaman with, yes he did it with 52 with aquaman and every time i look at i mean and it, uh, not all dc books i like starfire got canceled and made me really really sad but then you saw a character like batgirl get taken over by uh by cameron stewart and get completely trashed from a really, really well-meaning Gail Simone story that was trying to be very hard-hitting. And I, I feel like that moment in The Simpsons where all the designers are designing Poochie and the last comment is, you know, raise his cool by 30% and the animator just takes a black marker and sketches on Ray-Ban sunglasses and they're all like, perfect. And I feel like that's what the new 52 was, was just slap some sunglasses on him, give him a hip attitude, and you've got... You're, you're going to get those kids. You're going to get that young, hip, millennial market. And it didn't necessarily work. So what do you not think for from long the new... Not, not for long. No, not for long. That's not true. They had well, you, great Chris sales has been saying it for year. years, is that they're, the new 52 is you know going to be redone within a certain amount of timeline. I don't think you think I thought it was last this long. But what do you keep from the new 52, then? 
Because if you're going to add a new overlay or remove that code... If you're going to start erasing things, what do you pull back? And that'll be what's interesting to that's, see. That's why every everything's getting a rebirth issue, one shot. Because apparently that is going to help set up the universe. Because like, and Jones is writing... Can Paul Dini write Harley Quinn's rebirth? Mm, probably Please, not. For love um, <laughs> uh, you know, Johns has a huge hand in this. He seems to be basically the, the, the editor-in-chief. The, yeah, the architect of it. He's writing a lot of these rebirths. He's writing... The DC Universe reboot ish- issue that apparently is coming. For Marvel it'll, fans, it'll he's the Joe Quesada of, of DC. Uh, no. no I, 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 as much as I love Joe, DC... Joe was a great editor. He, he didn't have a creative hand in these changes. He was helpful in picking creative teams... The characters, the books that would be released, and right. stuff like that. But he wasn't perfect. He was yeah. in it. Joe, in Joe, this case, Joe it, saw the Joe saw how a lot of the pieces fit together. The way I best describe Jeff Johns is he's he is he was the young guy at DC, but he was also the guy who had a huge amount of respect for what legacy means sure. to the characters. Well, you get that in his writing too. You, yes, exactly, and that that's I think like when when I say something like. 52 as a reboot sort of missed the mark because it was like, let's just make these characters cool. Legacy be damned. Then you have a huge segment of your market going. It's like, it's like you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. Flash rebirth, green lantern rebirth is the way to modernize characters like flash and green lantern, but give them the new edge they need. See what you, you meant in the middle of that statement is sort of what a lot of characters lost in new 52. when you say legacy be damned. What I said for the whole time with New 52 is the character that lost more than anything else was Superman. Yes. Because you took that, they took that placeholder of what Superman was, that god among gods. You have uh-huh. these characters who, half of the DCU superheroes, if they really wanted to, could break the world in half and throw it into the sun. Sure. And Superman could do it easier than anybody else. And yet, he didn't. And he was this, you all look up to him as this great and a great character. And then, like, we'll put him in jeans and we'll let Grant Morrison write some story that is completely nonsensical and then we'll also a story hamstring. that he even admitted he did not want to write exactly you're, so, you're talking to. about the new the new the, 52 action, 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 action comics run a run right. that he said he did those not want pieces to write. The, the pieces were missing and all of a sudden you realize this isn't a superman that you really care about reading greg pack's run tried to bring some of that back but in a way it's it's almost too late you're too far into it right you've greg got Pack is not Alien. writing superman if, if Greg Pak is not writing Superman, they've done something completely right. and wrong. And even with Jeff and uh, his run was really good, sort of bringing back those roots. But again, there's only so much you can get back. And that's, uh, I'm uh, American Alien is so good, fantastic, because it's it again. It's that it's the person, uh, it's the person who understands what legacy means while also bringing a youthful sensibility to the source material. What well, do you yeah, think Landis Jeff's yeah, best Max character Landis is? He writes. What was that? What do you think Jeff Johns is the best character he writes? That's a hard one because he's written so much. I mean, he can. I love his Green Lantern. I love his Green Lantern. I, love well, I think everybody his loves his Green Lantern. The, the last kind of bits of it, I thought he kind of petered out, but that's just me. And in terms of creative, I mean, sort of his thing, Booster Gold run is fantastic. Yeah, when he gets he, he gets a good sense of getting to that kind of piece of the character and figuring out not only what makes it tick, but especially in his Aquaman run, going. I'm going to make fun of the idea that everyone makes fun of it. So, that was that was brilliant. That yeah, Aquaman. and he does a great job with it. It's 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 the right type of person to do this because he does care about that legacy and kind of brings back. And what this this flies in the face of is everything that they did with the new Fifty Two. This is basically you can call this the old Fifty Two or whatever you want. Um, in terms of of going back to legacy, that that statement of if you liked DC Comics before, this is everyone who left. Please come back. 
Right. Please. But we don't know how to... The, the struggle with this is how do we tell people who left, who are just not involved in comics anymore, that this is coming back? So what about the rumors that DC, DC was purposely doing this to try to make a more cohesive uh, MCU or DCU? I think, well, and uh, Jeff Johns' statement talks uh, very much implies that they want cohesiveness again, especially when you look at the New 52 and you look at DCU, when you have characters like, it's like, well, is Tim Drake Robin or Red Robin? Some writers still reference to, uh, refer to him as having been a Robin. Some writers didn't. You have Those Gail problems, Sim- yeah, very yeah, early on. Yeah, Gail, yeah, Simone Gail, Simone's, yeah, Gail Simone's, yeah, Gail Simone's run, even on Batgirl, is is very different than Cameron Stewart's because yeah. they're just like, Cameron Stewart, do what you want. And then the book tanked after a couple months. Well, so. When you look at the Flash TV show two weeks ago, when they introduced the, the multiverse, basically, and showed you glimpses of the different pieces, it made DC, DC's universe, movie, television, comics, everything in between, all part of one cohesive sure, multiverse. That, well, that's what the multiverse first was. The multiverse and, and comes about... Well, the multiverse came about from this idea when they started telling... They were telling stories. It was one and done. So Batman would show up. He'd shoot some cost, you know, villain in the face, and then he'd die. And then the next issue, he's fine. Superman right. would have crazy adventures. Then Marvel shows up and says, we've got one universe, and all these characters exist in the same thing, and they all have problems, and they all affect each other. If the Avengers have a fight in downtown New York, it affects Spider-Man because he can't go through Times Square or whatever. Sure. So DC's like, okay, well, now we're going to have the same sort of thing. And they started doing it. People are like, well, what happened about all these these other characters. What happened to Superman? That was on Earth, fly? whatever. Exactly. Right. And now that became Earth 2. It's like, okay, Superman can't fly on Earth 2. He can jump. Because all of his early well, stories, yeah, he could he only jump. He couldn't age. fly. Right. That sort of thing. That's yeah, the then, way they tried to explain and then with it. The, and, and, and you're absolutely right. The purpose of the multiverse was to preserve legacy yes. for the characters because you could have, like, no, your Golden Age heroes did not die. They did not get erased. We respect you enough to actually keep them around. They're in Earth 2, and until somebody has an Earth 2 story to tell, yeah. they sit there. And then Jeff Johns comes with JSA. He brings about a lot of Earth 2 characters. He mm-hmm. mixes them in. But then you have the New 52, which says, Golden Age heroes, that's for losers, man. You want hip heroes. We can't do gay heroes in the main universe. Guess what? You're getting a gay hero. You want different. You want a really diverse cast of characters. We're altering the Earth Two characters, and we'll make Connor Hawk into a white guy who looks like <laughs> right. A Nazi. We're gonna we're gonna turn Connor Hawk into. <laughs> we'll a turn white one guy. of the diversive characters. Yes, who's <laughs> half Asian, half black. <laughs> half Asian, half black, and turn raised him into in a Tibetan monastery, into, right. and turn him into a, someone who looks like a Hitler's super. Like, hey, this is right. it exactly. And that's one of those things where again, like you took the idea of legacy and said legacy doesn't matter this is the new earth 2 when you could have easily gone why isn't this earth 67 whatever right. earth, right. X, earth, earth x earth x so you think number, this means it, especially when you look back earth at the old swastika earth. well there's the one where the nazis take over so it's <laughs> right there's the the, the 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 ss superman they did that in multiversity yes. and that's the thing is they said there's not an infinite multiverse there's only 52 multiverses now and you go why why does that matter so do you think now that well, we have the death 50. of the new 52, we'll start well, let's, with let's, let's start with 52, though. There is an important point in this in that there is not 52 titles. In fact, there's like 38. Right. right. I'm wondering. <laughs> also, I do want to also close that. It's like nothing against diversity because I know that's a statement yes. that can be easily <laughs> misconstrued. So but what, you don't like gay? No, I black, actually, I actually don't mind it. But my problem is, is that you can easily some of his do best the, characters are gay. You can easily do those characters in the main universe. Sure. And 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 what's well, it altering your character? Come up with something new. Right. That's been an argument for a while. That, that is that, that's the that's the main argument. I've that, that I especially as a minority, I've always felt that you don't need to pander to me by taking characters I love and changing them. 
just create create new something new. Yeah, it's the it's the old thing with with Kid Colt and Chuck Dixon. What he got in trouble for It's like don't take Kid Colt, who was always a straight character, and all of a sudden not only turn him gay, but the first issue has his gun, where instead of his penis, um, it well, was come up with Ice something Man. new, and then you know. Ice man, we're not even gonna get into that. Um, in terms of the numbers, it's not fifty-two. There's something that's like thirty-eight, something around that. There's a part of me that's wondering and saying, "Well, okay, we want to cancel like eleven titles that are underperforming, and we really don't want to replace them because every time they kept canceling titles, like, well, we're gonna cancel six titles, but you're getting five new ones next month. Right. right. Well, we're gonna cancel four titles, but you're getting four new ones next month. In this case, you're like, well, we're going to cancel 11 titles, but we're going to wrap it into this event with all new number ones that you're going to forget about the fact that we just dumped like a third of our, of our or a quarter of our, our line, which is the right, to me, is the right step because there's just so much out there. Yes. And this is a chance for you to kind of close ranks and concentrate on having the best creators. In terms of creators, there's rumors all over the place of DC is reaching out to everybody, offering exclusive contracts again. Tim King signed a, an exclusive contract. He's the one has been writing Grayson. Um, we'll probably be writing Nightwing. Who knows? Boy, I don't know what the TV shows are going to do. Every time that you know, the, all the news channels and everything are all fifty-two. Yeah, they'll probably change it to the 30 thirty-eight news fifty-eight <laughs> or thirty-eight channel thirty-eight news, news yeah, because I'm, I mean, so we're all watching the cable news within the universe <laughs> yes. of DC. Um, do you think that they're dropping those titles and not replacing it because it's a cost-cutting measure, especially with them going down to a two ninety-nine price possibly. point? It's, it's, entirely it, it's, it's all possible because you're, you, you have to pay less creators. You have to pay less printing. Yeah. But it's also the fact that you get to the point where there's just simply too many titles. You can't keep your eyeballs on the titles that you have. You're fracturing your own audience that is interested in your product, but then stops and says, I can't get all of it, so I'm not going to get any of it. This is the old 90s X-Men thing. They kept expanding, expanding, expanding until the point where someone says, you know what? I can't keep up with all of it, so I'm not getting any of it. Uh, there's an interview like two, three years ago with C.B. Sobolski where he talked about that sort of thing. Is you know, in terms of uh, in terms of Marvel, you have a Spider-Man title, you have Amazing Spider-Man, and that's the main title, and everybody's on that. And then you have the next one, you have Peter Parker, and I'm like okay, and then you have Web, okay, and then there's less people reading that. And then you have Foes, and then you have Peter Parker goes to high school, and then you have Spidey's Adventures in the Multiverse, yeah. and each layer has less and less readers. And there's a point where do we want to keep as many as we can? by making sure that there's six titles out there that at least one person will be reading, mm-hmm. or, or that a person will be reading at least one of them? Or do we just want to make two good titles that everybody who enjoys Spider-Man will read that those two titles? Right. To hear, um, it seems like that. There are some strange ones in there. The fact that they're doing Earth 2 again seems odd to me. Shouldn't mm-hmm. you wait on that? Establish your new rebirth universe. Then well, no, it's just slowly. the fact that Earth 2, Earth 2 has had two... Um, has- Two as a title, has had two two runs, and neither of them have been successful. Right, mm. and so, it's also, it was also very confusing, especially as a guy who loves Golden Age characters. And then when I jumped into Earth Two, I really liked James Robinson's first few issues, but then it became re like after James Robinson left, they did stuff with Mister Terrific, one of my favorite superheroes, pre New Fifty Two, and then they tried to match his character to the pre New Fifty Two version, but he was still kind of like Kanye West, who was a who was also Neil deGrasse Tyson. Kanye of, West is 50% better than Mr. Terrific. No. 50% no, better than Superman. 50% better than they, Batman. They tried to tone... 50% better than Wonder Woman. 50% more by influential. 50%. By 50%. So anyways. And it's one of those things like they did this weird thing where he was trapped there and he could never find his way back. But then they also did this weird thing with Huntress and Power Girl trying to get back, and then they wanted to stay there. And then they did the convergence where their Earth was destroyed, and then they found another planet they could live on. Yes. And but it's here's like, the thing. What's go what? 
So this is this this is what in terms of going forward. Now for you, you weren't reading a lot of. Let's go back to New Fifty Two. Before the New Fifty Two, you were not reading a lot of DC Comics. Correct. You bought a ton of New Fifty Two number ones. Yes, I did. You dropped off month after month here and here, but you stayed pretty steady for a while. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you look at when you look at that list of titles and just the list of titles, not the creative teams or whatever? Look at it and go. I can see myself getting back into five, six, seven, eight books. Oh yeah, okay. definitely. For Ethan, Ethan, you were collecting anything. Supergirl here and there, well, Batman Eternal, whatever. Well, I think when New Fifty Two first came out, that was before I started. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying in terms yeah. of in terms of. I'm just talking right now. Yeah. Someone like you that's not collecting anything regularly from DC. Mm-hmm. Is this the type of event that for you you go? You know what? There's a couple of these that I would give a shot for. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously like you know like the Batman titles, and it was Supergirl returning. I'd okay. start picking up Supergirl again. Yeah, you're not. Buying physical stuff anymore, no, really? But is there something you, need, you look at it, especially once creative teams, I think, get announced? That once, might be something for you. That's where it's going to make a difference. Yeah, but I'm just in terms of the thing. You would see maybe picking up a couple of these. I would, I would, yeah, especially with once creative teams are announced, because like, like my first instinct is always like, okay, who are my favorite characters and are they coming back? I, I just mentioned Mr. Terrific. If Mr. Terrific got another number one, then I would go, okay, I got burned the last time I got a Mr. Terrific book. You and everybody else. Yeah, and it's like... Your Mr. Terrific is my Green Arrow. Right, right. Yeah, especially it's like as a guy who connected to Mr. Terrific when he was in Jeff Johns' JSA run, and even the Mr. Terrific before that, I'd like, you know, I'm going to use them as an example. Like, I got burned on the last Mr. Terrific series. I got burned with him in Earth 2. And I go like, if they were to say, hey, Mr. Terrific's getting another number one, I would go, okay, who's the creative team on that? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's my feeling for a lot of these books, where I go... But the point is, more of my point is that you you would kind of dive back in. Yeah. Likely. Yes. Mike, you give you and I have both like cut it down to like two titles or three titles. I was getting a decent amount before New Fifty Two and then New Fifty Two yeah. came out and I got half of them and it kept on whittling, 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 whittling. until now I'm just getting the tail end of Justice, like Justice League, League and, and Batman. And after this, I'm probably not gonna pick up any more DC. Okay, so there's Mikey's the outlier because something like this because it's, I that, have the it's same not thing. even a matter of this. I'm also whittling down my big two. No, I, I understand not, that. But I'm just yeah. in, in terms of the fact that this doesn't excite you, whether you're whittling it down oh, or yeah. not, it's not something that you go, all right, this is where I'll get back in or whatever. Nothing's... For someone like me, I've got four DC titles or whatever. Right. Hanging on to Green Arrow for some reason. I don't know why. Um, Starfire, Batman, and uh, Gotham Academy. Probably Batman would be the only one that I would possibly hang on to. Well, just probably the fact Detective of... if it's Snyder. Or... It's no, also no just because too. I've... Had Batman. Yeah. I've have all four hundreds and right. Uh, it's tough. I'm all, I'm but the point on. the point I'm trying to make here is out of a room of five people, there's four of us that are saying this makes us want to kind of go grab this sort of thing. That's why they do this, right? Sure. And no, this I, is I, why I'm willing to check it out. But I'm it. also I'm also feel swell because I pay for Marvel Unlimited and mm-hmm. right. I can read every just about every Marvel book under the sun. I just got to wait a couple months. No, I understand. It, it's just in terms of like a general yeah. sort of thing. When but people no, I, was like, why? Did, and Marvel has proven this that you if you reboot, you know, your titles in terms of a reboot instead of remaking. We're talking about reboots and starting with new numbers, new creators, yeah. new stories. Marvel's proven that this sort of theory works, right? Um, well, it's, we, I don't think if we had more time. We'll get back. We could get into Eric Stevenson's address to Comics Pro this year, which was just as controversial as last year's. Except he didn't yell at the retailers as much as he yelled at himself. Um, <laughs> in terms of the short sightedness of what they're doing, but that's why they do this. Well, and I don't think I don't, don't think anyone in the room knew, doesn't disagree why they do it. No, no, I'm just, point, just I'm, had, I'm pointing it out in terms of in terms of the, the it's listener, an truth. where the listeners like why do they keep doing this? This is it. Right. It, it, it's a funny. It's, it's almost like a, a, a misnomer of 
in order for DC to get back to legacy, they have to start over. Sure. And that's that's kind of just it, right. but it, it's it. kind of my thing with Cap, you know, where I, I you keep yeah, as long doing as the black guy doesn't another you shield, keep, no you fun. keep doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> What's the point of reading it? I mean, I get it's a yeah. new character, there's there's new stories, but I've seen it, I've done it. It's, it's yeah, but that, but that's where that's kind of where yeah. that, that's kind of where we differ though. Is like I go like I don't mind like I, I don't mind someone like Mike. You're not on the mic. I don't mind someone Mike like Jaime mic. Reyes taking over for Blue Beetle because. They didn't make Ted Cord Hispanic. No, they just they, shot they, him in the face. They created a. Well, even that, I don't mind. It's just they created a. Wow, brand what are you having as Ted Cord, man? I just don't. For me, it's one of those things. Like, no, it, the thing about Legacy is that's what makes Legacy interesting. Someone like the Flash having literally a family, you know, was re, you know it became you know from Barry to Wally, Jay Garrick later on. You well, had so that's Wally's always the other kids. thing for me because when I got into my my like. Entry into the DC universe as a whole was Morrison's JLA, and so my my Green Arrow was Connor, my Hal or my my Green Lantern is Kyle, and my Flash right. is Wally. And I was not happy when any of them came back. Right, and I was I, like, I don't want those other characters. I want to keep going. Yeah, with these and guys. I totally understand that, and that sort of speaks to the bigger conversation of like legacy matters to a lot of people because DC used to have a wide range of characters, and some would disappear, and some would come back. But in the end. There were always new iterations of the characters. Yeah. There were new. One is, is there were new iterations successful. of the heroes yeah. with new characters. They weren't new iterations of the same. And characters. they're the only one that were able to do it. And, and right. the fact of having you were you took three major parts of your of your of your universe in Flash, Green uh, Green Lantern, and Green Arrow, and had brand new people take them over for long, long, really runs long of stretches of time. No one else has been able to do that. No, and, in and any way, they did it form. successfully. And then when it's like, well, we're where it no longer is making a new Flash good enough, you got to change Barry. Yeah. Or you got to change Wally, or you got to change Jay. And that cuts into a lot of people who liked specific versions of those characters. I use Flash as an example because Flash has a lineage that you can trace as a character sure. through all of DC's history. He's probably the most important. So, so you're, you're totally against Black Wally West? I'm not against Black Wally West, but he's just not. Quit, quit trying to find allies. Yeah, yeah, you're trying. Right? Just because, just because you don't like Sam Wilson because he's a member. See, of I love the... Falcon. I See, love here's the thing. Uh-huh. The sure you do. As long as he keeps his place as Captain America's sidekick. <laughs> no, right? I don't. As long I as never, he's off on the side, he I does not wear the red, white, and blue. He was a sidekick. Here's the thing: the char- the Wally West in the New Fifty Two is not Wally West. He is a completely new character. Sure. And if he had a different name and was the Flash's new sidekick, I guarantee he would have been welcomed with open arms by many, many people because he would have been a new addition to the Flash family. Instead, they took a character who not only had the name of the Flash for more than a decade, but was also just in Justice League, Justice League Unlimited as an incredibly popular character. They may be using the previous version of Wally West in their DC film universe Uh to avoid reusing Barry because he's in the TV show. Mm -hmm. And that's when I go, it's like, oh, good, Wally West is coming back. Who's this guy? This isn't really Wally. I can't fall in love with this guy Mm because he's not really Wally West. He's He's a completely new character who, if they had gone, oh, this is, this is, Jolly Jest, I would have gone, oh, Jolly Jest is pretty cool. I like his story and what they want to do with him. But when you try and spoon him, spoon feed me to him as this is Wally West, I go, it's like, this isn't Wally West. He's not a little ginger. 
who's, you know, spry and very happy. No, where's his children? Where's, you know, where's that, you know, where's that great Mark Wade run spirit? I go, oh, this is this is not the character I fell in hey, love with. G.I. Joe tried to do it with Ripcord. He's he's just a little ginger? Yeah, the old Wally West and the little ginger kid. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the new one. I was like, no. he's a little ginger? What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, G.I. Joe, the, uh, the first movie, did so the same the, thing with Ripcord. Yeah, they, they try that. But no, it's the same thing with, like, yeah, Falcon becoming Captain America is a great idea. And for the story they were telling... Not according to Rich. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, shame on you, Rich. Uh well, you know, again, it was the same thing like Bucky. And I understand the fatigue of replacing a character with another Look, character if it would that have had a separate years, identity. I can understand the fatigue from that. But if it had happened 10 years from sense. now, if it had happened 10 years from now, I would have I would have been more eased into it. it takes him a while to get in, get Shut the racism up. out of his system. So. No, <laughs> it's just that I felt like it just that, happened. Honestly, go back and listen to that episode. It's one of the best episodes we've done. <laughs> It's very easy to find. I'm not a racist. <laughs> it just goes through, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and it just break it down piece by piece and just be, and ends with me going, so your problem with it is because he's black. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I it was fantastic. It's one of those things. I can't speak for Ethan, but I, I mean, I'm Hispanic. I'm half Brazilian, half Puerto Rican. Ethan is also a minority, and I can't speak for your own experiences, but as someone who read comics for Ethan's part of a sleeper cell, ask Chris. <laughs> All of my entire life, I've never, I've, I've never needed characters who look like me or act like me or share the same cultural background as me. I've always said it, you know, Mr. Terrific. If we're gonna go beyond the A list here, is Mr. Terrific, Power Girl, my two favorite superheroes outside of you know Superman and Green Lantern. Do you think it's more segregation than not by creating those characters like that? I'm asking to rephrase the question mostly because I, I don't, I don't, maybe okay. I didn't receive the. Here's, here's, let me give you his, uh, yeah, an yeah, example. Yeah. Sure. Um, the Oscars right now. Sure. There's a lot of talk about how there's not a lot of African American nominees. Okay. Yep. And some people believe that there should be their own African American in, within the community, their community, that community, believe that there should be a. Special Oscar for them. You know, to me, I believe that's more of a segregation than an inclusion. But that comes down to why just black people? Why not Middle Eastern people? Why not right. Asian people? What? Everybody gets, you know, cut out of these things. And so right. like, now if you do it for well, African American people, you're going to have to do it for right. Middle Eastern people I, and Asian people and because so that's, on and so I, forth. I don't have a dog necessarily in that fight. I will say that... It's like having BET. You don't I, have... W-E-T. Right. I, you I, don't have I understand the arguments. A-E-T. I understand the arguments, and especially when I look at something like the Oscars as a meritocracy, which is very different than... A very a Representation is very different than meritocracy. If, if those are the people that made it on list and those are the vote, you can also go into sort of like, okay, who's voting in the Oscars? How many people really pay attention? There, there's a lot to it than that. So, I, I mean, I understand the similarities, but from a comics perspective, when it's really more storytelling... That's kind of different than that. I, I, I see the arguments on both sides, and I understand the arguments on both sides. I'm a guy who goes like, look, if, if, you, know, if, if you did good enough, you know, you gotta, you know, and you didn't get recognized, I totally understand the burn there. Uh, but doing something you, for you the sake of diversity. You can also do, get into arguments like, you know, like what, you know, the diversity numbers and population breakdowns and stuff like that. There's a lot there. But especially in comics, there is a big push for diversity, and I understand why there is a group of people who want it, but what I won't understand are the people who want it 
by any means necessary. Well, that's what I mean. Is there's, if a, there's an organic doing something. To it, yes, I, yeah. I've always doing something for diversity for the sake of diversity doesn't seem to. It's to me, agendizing. It, yes. It, yes, it is agendizing, and it doesn't help anybody because then you get characters who aren't really in touch with the audiences you want. I'm going to use mm-hmm. Batgirl as a reference now because. The Batgirl book under Cameron Stewart would be, it has been labeled very much, you know, a book for social justice warriors by social justice warriors. And if you're like me and spend a lot of time on the internet, you all know what I'm talking about. And you all know about how insufferable those people can be. And if you were reading Batgirl, how insufferable of a character she became, because I see that book as, yeah, sure, there was a lot of diversity pushing for the sake of diversity pushing. And the story took huge sacrifices to meet those demands and became a book that I couldn't even read. Mm-hmm. And I'm a guy who loves, you know, the old Denny O'Neill, you know, the old Denny O'Neill, uh, Neil Adams, Green Arrow, Green Lantern run, where he's, you know, you know, basically, you know, like an ultra liberal running around the streets, pointing the finger and the blame at everybody. Cause they make for really great issues. And those are, those are issues you can address in comics without hitting people in the face with a sledgehammer like Batgirl tried to do. And then the book's numbers took a huge dip because the stories did not end up saving that book. Right. Well, Chris mentioned doing something but, more but, organic. Miss Marvel is a perfect yes, example Ms. of Marvel that. Miss Marvel is a perfect example of a really organically evolving book about a minority character that is not sacrificing story to tell the story they want to do. Right. They are using, you know, she's a Pakistani Muslim living in New York City. She gets superpowers. And, and it's not and, taking it's not, it's taking an existing character, and it's, but not being that right. existing they didn't character. Cha- they didn't change Carol Danvers; they created a new character. But for someone yeah, by organically changing Carol Danvers as well to make her Captain Marvel, right? It's such a great they, way. They evolved Captain. They evolved. I mean, that Carol thing Danvers. goes all the way back to to Civil War when she decides that I, she wants to. There's some static coming in now. Yes, there is. There's a lot of static. It's coming probably in. us telling telling us that it's time to wrap yeah. things up. Right. We like Carol. We like Carol. We, yeah, there, I love Carol. I love Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel, and I'm sad her book even took heavy, heavy dips. Maybe there's there's got to be interference coming. From it's somewhere. yeah. There's interference coming from something. But no, I mean, hopefully this doesn't get bad. But uh, for me, like I've always said, Mr. Terrific is a character I identified with. I'm not black. I'm Hispanic. I'm Latino. But Mr. Terrific appealed as a character to me because he was he's a science nerd. And so so am I. As a kid, I always excelled in science. So for me, having a character like that yeah, is bad. So, okay. So we're going to wrap things up because it's getting very staticky here. We might hit a headphones on. We, we've hit a, like some kind of storm. Um, it's a solar flare. It's coming in. You know. So like we're going to wrap things up. You check us out on Facebook.com slash Nerdables. At Twitter, we're on at Nerdable Show. And check us out anywhere else you want to hear us. We will talk to you soon.